Hi, and welcome to episode 303 of No Crying in Baseball, the Breaking the First Rule of Fight Club episode. My name is Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey, way over there. Oh, we're so far apart. We're, you know, it may sound like we're in a barn because we're actually recording in a barn. This is so cool. It just goes to show that there's a first time for anything. Or like, or even after 303 episodes, there's new stuff we can do, like record in a barn with there's so much stuff around us barn stuff no barn animals yeah potty are. mouth is going to be distracted a lot yes. i think you know <laughs> think the word squirrel yeah at all times because there's just so much to see i'll be over here like talking away and i'll, I'll try to like get her to focus mm-hmm. you're gonna have some big fun i can tell hey so we're on our excellent adventure this is really cool we are um are we halfway through is this our halfway yeah point? i think we're halfway through i think this is our halfway point yeah so we've already explored um upstate new york a bit we went to and do we have this on in our we don't have this in our notes so we're just going to talk about this the game that we went to on friday night our first baseball stop right just fyi syracuse is not upstate new york it's like central to western new york oh yeah now we're upstate all right well syracuse is where we were yes <laughs> watching baseball yes and the Sox were there and it was a most excellent game and by the Sox were there potty mouth means they were there being hosted by the syracuse mets right. who lost the home team yeah the home team right yeah and, and i was happy to see them lose and i guess actually we will talk about them later a little bit but um but to see the woosox win was good for me because the red sox haven't been doing very well and we got to see trevor story in his rehab and that was lots of fun and uh sedane rafaela hit his uh fourth home run in a row it, not in a row in that game but like every day for those not every day those four every games game in a row. four games in a row he hit a home run and then he kept doing that at five and i don't know where he is now but that's really impressive so there's there's hope for the future for the Red Sox. But I liked the Syracuse Mets Stadium, especially because of craft beer night. Yeah, it was both Marvel Night and Craft Beer Night. So it's as if the gods of minor league baseball took various interests of ours and <laughs> like shook them around and threw them out and said, Here's two we could do at one time. Yeah. And we said, Okay. Yeah, and we even got hats. We like barely got in under that the hat radar and they were impressive they had a really cool um marvel brim with all sorts of marvel characters and Mm -hmm. stuff and the syracuse mets logo above it well done syracuse mets that's right and plus all that plus two craft beers so and and a baseball game right so that was super fun and then and then since then we have also gone to the hall of fame which we'll talk about in just a few minutes and then we're off to more things we'll tell you more about that later but we're having a great time and we're in a barn yep yep so uh nothing shall stop the recording and actually, speaking of nothing, she'll stop in the recording. Another yeah. thing that we've been doing while baseball is visiting um, alcohol establishments. We have not had any beer yet on this trip. Isn't that what? No, that's not at all true. We it craft beer night at the Syracuse Mass. Oh, we just said those words. <laughs> the very first night right. was craft <laughs> beer night. All right. Since the beer at the ballpark. Right. Exactly. And that was that was good beer, too. I'm trying to remember it was local. Do you remember the name of the yeah, brewery? No, not because not you're asking me, but we'll figure that out later. Okay. Um, but then we went to 1911, which is both a cidery and a distillery outside of Syracuse and Lancaster, New York, which was just a lovely. So we tasted their spirits and we tasted their ciders and we brought home many things including what we're drinking right now potty mouth what are we drinking right now so i haven't started drinking mine yet so here it's it's being opened as you can hear and it is a lafayette lemonade and i really appreciate the the simplicity in the ingredients being vodka lemon juice sugar and natural flavors and carbonation and those natural flavors are blueberries so I'm about to sample this one for the first time. And it does say five generations of spirit in a can, which they're really cramming those generations in tightly because it is a a cocktail can, so it's pretty tight. 
That's I like it. Good. This could be dangerous. It is. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It'll it'll be helpful, I think, with some of the topics we have to talk about today. I think so too. I, I think mean, so too. And luckily, we have a backup beverage. You you'll introduce that later. Yeah, when we okay. get to the backup, for sure. <laughs> I think we'll get there. On today's show, we have Patty and Potty Mouse Excellent Adventure, the Cooperstown edition. We have Boyfriend Fight Club, Family Matters, and Water Balloons. The Police Blotter is the Domingo Herman edition. We've got the Women's Baseball World Cup and the ballpark rules we didn't think we needed to mention. Cheers. All right, cheers. I will definitely lift this again. This is really good. This is is super, super dangerous. Yeah. Mm. It is just like a happy lemonade. You know, I'm just reading the, the instructions here where it says pour over ice. We're skipping that part. Yeah, we are. But that's all right. But we went to the Hall of Fame. For me, it was the first time. And I there was so much that I thought was just lovely and enchanting. The, the little town of Cooperstown is sweet. And I wish we had had more time to just, you know, wander around there. And we spent like four and a half hours. At was least. It like that was like before that? the shopping part. Yeah. And we started by immediately crying. No, we started with when we walked in, I was wearing an Orioles cap. And the first uh, <laughs> person that worked there that I saw upon getting past the ticket place looked at me and said, first place Orioles. I love saying that. So I felt right at home. That was super good. It's that we cried almost immediately because yeah. they start you with the introductory film. And the first shot is Lou Gehrig doing his farewell speech. And it's interspersed with Cal Ripken reciting that speech from memory. And the whole the whole introductory video was people that we know that have done important things, broken baseball records, mm-hmm. and whose footsteps they are following in. So they paired people up, and it was very emotional. And I was a little embarrassed when the lights came up, and I had, like, tear streaks on my face because it's baseball, and there's so much freaking crying in yeah. baseball, especially yesterday. Yeah, yeah. You definitely weren't the only one. And yeah. there were so many familiar faces in that video that just made it feel really happy. I felt like this combination between – old and not so old while we were going through the hall because mm-hmm. there was a lot of stuff like say that little uh, baseball video game that I had when I was a kid that was in whatever old uh, display thing. But then there was also a lot of, of seriously old history that made me feel like, all right, I don't remember that stuff. But it was it was lovely. There's th- there is that, you know, the the tension right between the traditional and the updating for mm-hmm. for modern day and th- there's the updating like just the adding the new stuff but then there's the updating that's been touted such as giving more attention to the negro leagues or giving more attention to women's baseball and i feel like it's a very in process and somewhat um a little bit too to surface level yeah job like there's work to be done there i think there there's is. work to and be done. you a lot of decisions need to be made by the mm-hmm. curators, of course. Like, how much space do we have? Right. Because, as you've heard, we can go on and on about a lot of issues in baseball. And frequently, the 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 words accompanying the artifacts just said, this happened, and right. then this happened, and then this happened. And we are looking at that saying, ooh, context would tell you way more about this and why this was actually kind of problematic mm-hmm. or why this was exceptionally noteworthy. 
but I don't think they have room for that. But I wanted it so much. Yeah. The women in baseball one, it was like all of these photographs and a list of people's names, but there's no context for why these women are important. What did they do? Yeah, their their decision making about what parts got more of the story feel, right? The, the storytelling feel was, you know, I'm not so sure. Like Penny Marshall, yeah, that's really important, you know, when, when she brought the spotlight attention to it. But I think they could use that space a lot more to talk about the actual women who she was she was focusing on and one part that that I that struck me was when we were getting toward the Maria Pepe part and they was talking about uh, her you know famous um, lawsuit that got girls the right to play in Little League and there was a woman right there who spoke with us saying that she played on Little League directly and she looked like she was around our age um, because of that lawsuit like like even though maria pepe never got to play herself right. this woman was sort of like that first generation of somebody who got to play and that was really and cool she talked about she made sure her sons were aware of that mm-hmm. that how you know how important that was for their parent for this yeah. to have happened which was very cool one of the photos that had no context that shocked me in the they had a, a pretty good portion of it set aside for women in front offices right and not just women playing baseball and there was a photo of marge freaking shot former <laughs> owner of the cincinnati reds who was actually a nazi yeah. i mean like she there she's so problematic in every way it's a picture of her handing a cincinnati reds jacket to pope john paul ii <laughs> and there was no context it was like right. marge shot owner of the reds and the Pope. Yeah. It's like, okay, see, here's a, yes, she was groundbreaking and that she was a female mm-hmm. owner of a major league baseball franchise, but also. Right. Well, then you go back into like some of the old time baseball players who were, you know, completely racist, especially mm-hmm. in before integration days and no asterisks anywhere. And how yeah. much do you go into that? Yeah. And it's, it's a lot of decision making. I feel like they need more librarian support kind of thing. But then also we would be surprised. Like we were in the area where they were talking about all of the different records. Mm -hmm. Every statistic you can think of, here's all the different records. And in the pitching category, they had a little league pitcher, a girl from the 80s who had, was it a perfect game? Or I can't remember if it was a no hitter that she had pitched. And she was just right in there Mm -hmm. with all of these major league pitchers with no no separation. It was like, this is equally important, which I loved. So there were these like happy little serendipitous things that would show up as well. I mean, I had a great day. I loved it. I I, I need that building to be twice as big. Oh, absolutely. I think that's part of it. And that's that's a little bit of the debate, too, is how much of that stuff goes in the women's area. And there were other things that were sort of sprinkled around that had to do with Mm -hmm. women and how much of it do you just blend in. And then there was the um, they had a pretty small, I thought, area on Latin American baseball. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think, I don't remember seeing much from other areas of the world, but that part was bilingual, and that was the only part of the, the right. hall that was bilingual. So it's kind of interesting, like, why they made the choice to make that area bilingual. Was it really for the people coming in who are from Latin America to be able to read that one small area, in which case, well, what kind of language support is there in the mm-hmm. rest of the hall to welcome these people? Or was it to show... I don't know, to just yeah. to show people, all right, this is the flavor of that area. I don't know. It could be. But also one thing that I did not look up. I mean, there's a lot of questions I have that I'm sure I could look in the magic box to get the answers right. to. But one of them is I wonder if they have like recorded tours available yeah. in different languages, like say a Smithsonian Museum would, to to help accommodate mm-hmm. and, and welcome 
people who speak other languages. That could that could be right. There was a QR code code that I ignored that I don't know might have yeah. led us to somewhere. Yeah. But if, if you anyone out out there has more information about that and or wants to defend the hall in any way, please let us know. And to be fair, we had a great time. Oh yeah, we loved our visit. We are nitpicky, and as you know, we have more opinions per capita than right. you know your average liberal enclave but <laughs> <laughs> and we tend to voice them and we tend to voice them but so there I, we go. I loved it i would totally go back i gave them a big chunk of my change in mm. the store getting stuff as as we did in the distillery a few doors down. yeah so also um thanks to our intern for pointing out there's mm-hmm. the cooperstown distillery just a few doors away so we did a tasting before going into the hall and then um did hours and hours of the hall and then came back and had a lovely cocktail right. and um and a snack before venturing to the next stop on our on our journey and there was a little bit of shopping i think today's editing mm-hmm. with whiskey may be editing with a cooperstown Ooh, single malt it's so good and just a little pro tip there the the lovely person at the um at the counter told us that if we bought the stuff then then we would get a 20% off our cocktails coupon so the 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 rhythm of it worked out well like buy the alcohol mm-hmm. do the tasting get your coupon go to the hall of fame and then come back and relax with a lovely crafted cocktail. I mean, come on. Our, our travel tips are totally worth the price yes. of admission to this podcast, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Hey, should we move on to Boyfriend Fight Club? Sure. All right. I'm going to sit back and drink while you talk about fighting. So, hey, you may have heard that things got a little nutty with the Guardians and the White Sox on Saturday night. We, yeah. So there were different <laughs> words used. The words included brawl, fracas, brouhaha, and kerfuffle. And they were not always used interchangeably. Some articles said it was a fracas, not a brawl. Mm-hmm. And some said, oh, no, it was a bruja or a kerfuffle, but it wasn't a frac. So I, I would like to pin down some definitions. Perhaps we can work that out. <laughs> yeah. And, and they have, have like No Crying in Baseball guide to right. when it's a brawl and when it's merely a kerfuffle. Well, and, and Terry Francona, you know, between his giggles was trying so hard to say that it's not funny that I'm thinking it's just a bruja. It's not a brouhaha. Right. If, it's, if it was super funny, it, it might yeah. even be a brouhaha. Right. Ha, 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 ha. Hey, so Tim Anderson, my boyfriend on the White Sox, who I adore completely, I think is having a bad time. Aww. He's having a horrible season with a horrible team. Yeah. I'm sure this is underlying all of the things that happened. I don't know if anything else is going on, but this was so unlike the Tim Anderson that I have been kind of fangirling for a couple oh, of yeah. years now because of his social justice work and because he's a good player and all these things. There's some bad blood between Tim Anderson and the Guardians because the they're, they're competitors anyway. But the previous day, Tim Anderson plays second base. He had pushed off a, a rookie player with the Guardians pushed them off of second base, which you're not supposed to do. And it was called out. Yeah, their hand, right? They pushed so their hand, their hand was yeah. on second. And it yeah. was a tag that he was applying to like wrist-ish area. And it was a forceful tag that pushed his yeah. hand off the base. And um, Jose Ramirez uh, said clearly the, the Guardians had noted this. And they, they, they had said that he was slapping down some little extra hard tags that he really didn't need mm-hmm. to do quite that way. So it's the bottom of the sixth. Jose Ramirez hits a double. He slides into second. He is safe. He slides in between Tim Anderson's legs, said there was a super hard tag by Tim Anderson, and he did not actually get off of Jose Ramirez immediately. We can see words being exchanged back and forth. We don't know what they said, but we could see both of them jawing at each other. Tim Anderson gets up. 
Ramirez gets up and sticks his finger in his face. And then, and so there's like, you know, aggressive pointing. There's words exchanged. Tim Anderson dropped his glove and put up his dukes. I mean, mm-hmm. he immediately turned into like a, a boxing match yeah. right there. Jose, meanwhile, was being restrained by the White Sox starting pitcher in a, in a headlock. Michael Kopich had him in a headlock. He still got off a right hook. Tim yeah. Anderson did not make contact. He took the first swings, did not make contact. Ramirez gets him with the right hook that drops him. And the famous line forever from this is going to be Hammy, Tom Hamilton, who's the, the um, longtime Guardians uh, broadcaster, the commentator, said, down goes Anderson. Yes, there are T-shirts. <laughs> yes, there's everything. No one is going to live down. And I hope that this yeah. is not what Tim Anderson is remembered for. People said this is the, you know, the, the most notable fight since, um, since Rugi. And Jose Batista. Yeah. And, you know, talking about that one. Um, oh, shit. What's his name? Oh, Elvis Andrews. Uh-huh. The only guy to have a ringside seat to both of those fights. Oh, to both of on those. On the field, right near the action. Jeez. Both of those fights. So another White Sox boyfriend of mine, Andrew Vaughn, in the last year or the year before. He's a hero. He is a hero. He grabbed... Tim Anderson from behind, pinned his arms to his sides multiple times. And I can't believe he didn't have help from anybody else because how strong do you have to be to he restrain someone? He picked him up and basically, you know, took him to the side to get him like out off the field. And then a few minutes later, he comes from running, Tim Anderson comes running back on the field. And you could just see Andrew Vaughn going, well, here we go again. And went after him and did yep. the same thing over again. And Tim Anderson was kind of out of his mind with anger yeah. and how, why there weren't more people helping to restrain him is still a little surprising to me. Yeah. There were ejections, both managers, Tim Anderson, Jose Ramirez, um, the Cleveland third base coach, who I've seen multiple times referred to as mild-mannered Mike Sarba, and Cleveland's closer, Emmanuel Classe, all got ejected from the game. I never actually saw what Classe did, um, but he mm-hmm. was also restrained by other other members of the Guardians, no other actions as of the time of recording, which in this case is Monday afternoon, have been announced yet. You know there's going to be some suspensions. You know there's going to be some fines. We don't know what those are yet. This is the third time Tito's been um, ejected all season. All of them have happened in the last week. All of them have happened against the White Sox. Wow. That should tell you something. So Jose Ramirez talks to the press. Tim Anderson does not when this is done. So grain of salt, we're getting mainly one side of this. Jose Ramirez, through his interpreter, says, he's been disrespecting the game for a while. It's not from yesterday or from before. I even had the chance to tell him during the game, don't do this stuff that's disrespectful. Don't start tagging people like that. So again, this is grain of salt. Um, This is the reported words of Jose Ramirez through an interpreter. Who knows? But that's what he said. Tim had not talked to the media, but then... Later yesterday, had the string of tweets that say things like, keep kicking on, on me while I'm down, been going through this shit for a minute. Um, no no context. They're not really yeah. tied together. They're just sort of like the stream of consciousness. So I don't know what's happening with my friend Tim here. I'm a little concerned. I am concerned. Other things that happened during the course of this, Jose Tena, who's 22, uh, who was in the middle of the mob, his debut to the major leagues, was entering as a pinch runner for Jose Ramirez Wow! as soon as the field got cleared. And they moved on with the game. And how they went on with the game is surprising enough. But this kid, this is how he's introduced to the major leagues. He's in the middle of the mob. Yeah. And then, oh, well, as long as you're out here, go ahead and, you know, pick up on second because you're running for Jose Ramirez. Um, 
Jose uh, Tana scored a run, so that's pretty cool. Didn't do so well batting, but that's all right. Also, two other new members of the Guardians, Noah Syndergaard, who was a starting pitcher, and Cole Calhoun. They both came over from the Dodgers. So Syndergaard says, I'm never going to condone physical violence, but I think it's good to see that kind of passion. And this clubhouse is a family. They're going to fight, and they're going to be in it. Okay. He also then referred to the fact that maybe MLB should be more like hockey, where the refs <laughs> just back up for a minute Ooh. and let the fists talk and see where it goes, which mm, I was I amused like by. The next batter, okay, they clear the field finally after 15 minutes of stopping and restarting with brawls and brouhaha's and kerfuffles. Um, the next batter for Cleveland is Oscar Gonzalez, whose walk-up song is the SpongeBob SquarePants theme. So that is the next thing that this packed gar- progressive so awesome. field hears after this craziness. There was a separate article that I read. Um, there was an interview with Keenan Middleton, who's an ex-White Sox relief pitcher. He was just traded to the Yankees on Tuesday. Ooh. He was ranting about the White Sox, who are under new leadership. Every after Tony Larusso right. retired, so Pedro is it Griffel? Griffel? I don't, I don't know how to pronounce his mm. name. Is the new manager? He so Keenan says there's no rules and there's no wow. leadership, and he was really upset by that. He has said uh, things like how. We came in with no rules. I don't know how you police the culture if there are no rules or guidelines to follow because everyone's doing their own thing. And he said there's players who are skipping meetings. They're skipping practices. He said there was like a rookie pitcher sleeping in the bullpen during a game. And he was really upset. It's like, how do you hold people to a standard when there's no standard? He also cited the World Baseball Classic as being a little bit of a problem because Lance Lynn and I can't remember who else from the White Sox were away. So that was during spring training. And he said that's a... Spring training is often the time where the culture kind of gets set, yeah. and they were missing, as he said, their big dogs. I don't okay. think that, I mean, I could see where that would influence, but that shouldn't be everything because there are right. plenty of veterans on that team, plus the actual coaching staff and all of that who can work on this. So he gets traded to the Yankees, Keenan does. He said, The second I found out I was traded, I shaved my face. He said, I was ready to play by their rules because all I want to do is win games. You know how to act here. Did I want to shave my beard off? Hell no. I had to. I wanted to be part of the Yankees. There was no question. He wanted a mm. an established culture. He wanted there to be yeah. expectations. He wanted there to be leadership. I don't know that I want to hold the Yankees up as anything, but in his opinion, it was so much better to even have rules he didn't care for as much than to have it be the Wild West. Yeah, I just wonder how people feel about, like, would they want to go back to the De La Russa days, but... Which is like its own set of issues, right? Yeah, that's that's ugly. In case anybody's wondering, they did finish the game, (laughs) and the White Sox won it seven to four. So you have that, but craziness, just just out of control craziness. Wow. Yeah, there is going to be a lot more about that. I mean, I think everybody who we've been talking to the past couple of days has been looking at even even my kid told me, "Did you see the fight yesterday?" Like, yeah, there is. Lots of interest in what was going on there. I don't know. I'm going to just steer toward, um, I guess, some some happier trade news. So I have picked Ramon Urias as my Baltimore baseball boyfriend. And we're going to talk more about baseball boyfriends, the guys that we pick in the offseason because they're cool. There's something about them that we love beyond the field and hopefully as well as on the field. And a few years ago, I had picked his brother, Luis Urias, who was on uh, Milwaukee at that point. 
So the Red Sox, <laughs> we had hoped would do something, something. And at, at some point I was saying something, anything before the trade deadline. Well, they just did a little something. And the only little something that they did was trade for Luis Urias. Um, and they traded a pitching, pitching prospect in return. Now, at the time of the trade, Luis had been demoted to AAA. He has had a pretty crappy year. And when the Red Sox took him, it looked like he was going straight to Worcester. So I was all excited thinking, oh, we're going to see him in Syracuse on Friday. And when he wasn't in the lineup, I was thinking, what's going on? Well, he actually got to go right to Boston. Um, they, they DFA'd Christian Arroyo, the, you know, the guy who is basically filling most of the time at second base for the Red Sox. And it looks like it's Luis Urias's job at this point. He is in the end of a one-year contract that he had with the Brewers, and he's a second-year arbitration. So the Red Sox might be able to keep him next year. There's, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, one thing that I hadn't thought of is that he played with both Jaron Duran and Alex Verdugo on Team Mexico in the World Baseball Classic. Yeah, he did. And the three of them, I guess, got to know each other pretty well in those times. And so they're both very excited to have them on the team. And despite the fact that Urias has not had a stellar time with Milwaukee, he did really well with Team Mexico. He played all six games. His average was 278 over the series with a home run. And he was key to the team getting to the semis. And they, they just missed making it to the finals. And we saw that game where they, they lost 6-5 to five against Japan. Um, but Urias was the guy who got Mexico on the scoreboard first. And Mexico was ahead. And he scored in the fourth inning with a three-run home run against Roki Sasaki, the, the young dynamo with the, with the killer fast pitch um, from Japan. And... I just feel like, all right, like if you put him in the right environment, maybe he's going to be able to blossom. He was when when the Brewers this year, after the World Baseball Classic, when he came back, he had a, a rough readjustment. And I think this has been, you know, some people criticizing the World Baseball Classic a little bit. He was there one game and ended up on the IL. And then after that, had a super rough return. And that was why he was optioned to AAA. Also, your guy Bryce Terang is doing pretty well in the infield and my former boyfriend, Willie Adamas, so there's really no room for him there. Why the Red Sox decided that this was a good time to get a second baseman and not some pitching, I don't know. Dad's not happy. I wasn't thrilled. <laughs> Jaron Duran, his quote was like, all right, bless you, kid. He said, we all trust Chaim. All right, I think he might be the only one at this point. And Alex Verdugo said maybe a fresh start is what he has needed. The good news, however, so he is at this point at the time of recording, he has played in three games of the Red Sox, and he has hit in each one of those first three games, including two hits in one of the games. So that means with his Red Sox career so far, he's batting 364 and 11 uh, plate appearances. So Gotta like that. Yeah. I'm going to follow up on that with a, a little bit about Bryce Terang. Oh, hey. Who is, in fact, my, uh, my my brewer's boyfriend this year. On Thursday, Milwaukee beat Pittsburgh 14-1. to Holy shit. One of the notable things about that, besides 14-1, to is that three rookies were responsible for nine runs batted in, which ties the franchise record of runs batted in by rookies in a single game. Bryce was responsible for three of those because he hit a three-run homer. And this game put the Brewers into first place in the NL Central. It was Bryce's first name with a new number. He came in to the Brewers wearing zero, and he oh. this was his first game wearing number two. Here's the story behind that. His dad, Brian, played for the Mariners for a couple of seasons, and he wore number one. <laughs> 
Milwaukee, who drafted Bryce Terang, had retired number one. It was Bud Selig's number. Wow. So number one was not an option. So he kind of wanted number two. He liked the idea of, I'm following yeah. my dad. He's number one. I'll be number two. He has a tattoo on his shoulder of his dad and him from the back. We both have Terang on their jersey, and his dad has number one, and he has number two. Oh, so clearly, wow. he's wanted to do this for a while. Well, Louis Sirius had number two. Oh, really? But... He didn't want number two. He wanted number three. But number three had been taken by Orlando (laughs) Arcio, right? Everybody needs to trade. So the equipment manager had this switch planned for the offseason, right, where Arias could have the number three that he wanted and Terrain could have the number two that he wanted. But then when this trade happened that you just referenced, Mm -hmm. number two came available. And so he got to jump the line and get that number two. Now people are saying, now is this – now, is this your lucky number? Is this why you hit that three-run home run? Because you know, oh. you're wearing number two. And he said, nope, it's just hard work, man, which is great. Go. But it's very sweet that he wanted to honor his dad. I like the whole mm-hmm. rolling with it. It's like, he's number one. I'm next in line. I'm number two. I'm really excited about that. So I thought that was very cool for Bryce Durang. And I, I love trade stories where everybody gets a happy at the end. Yeah. Like, it seems like Urias is in a better place, even though the Red Sox are struggling. Durang gets his thing. Yep. Yay. Yay. Happy happy endings. Um, So this past week, the Heart and Hustle nominees were announced. And we love this award because it's very much like our Baseball Boyfriend Awards because it's guys who have passion for the game and embody the values of MLB. And for us, you know, our Baseball Boyfriend Awards embody our values. (laughs) So it's, it's connected, definitely. The award was created by the MLB Players Association alumni in 2005. That year, there was just one award but since then each team has submitted their nominee and then soon so you know pay attention to your social media or your email or whatever or us near the end of the season fans alumni and players will all get to vote on the guy who gets the MLB Heart and Hustle Award. Um, If you look at the list of nominees most of them are our former boyfriends to no surprise. Two of them are the guys that we have picked for this current year. One, Corbin Carroll, my D-backs guy. So that's really cool to see that he's achieving not only moving toward that potential Rookie of the Year award, but that he deserves the heart and hustle. That, and I, That's a big deal because mm-hmm. having that kind of influence oh, yeah. and that kind of effect that people are noticing so quickly is, is a very big deal. That's very cool. Yeah, and Hassan Kim, your guy from the Padres. It was cool to see him there. So of the many, many former boyfriends, the, the most notable one to me at this point was your pick from 2019 for Cleveland, Jose Ramirez mm-hmm. of the aforementioned Fight Club, Fight Club fame. So not only that, he's been nominated five times. For, so for a guy who's had five heart and hustles, including this year, so he had three straight and then there was an interruption because Lindor got it one year and he, was, he and Jose had also gotten 17 and 18. For him to be involved in a kerfuffle or fracas or whatever, something is weird. Like you would, I don't know, some, something's off. This was unusual that he was in a fight. He doesn't yes. get into fights. So right. this was not his usual thing. He's not yeah. like that guy. He's not yeah. the goon on the hockey team. Right. He doesn't get into fights. Despite the fact that his agent actually posted a picture of him with fighting gloves with, on. With boxing gloves, so, yeah. But there, all right. Uh, Tim Anderson, just to give him a little bit of credit, also had a nomination in 2021. And also, he. what I remember him for was the um, Field of 
Dreams game. Mm-hmm. He had, didn't he have that big winning clutch run? Yep, yep. He had a big home run into the, into the cornfields. He has also taken groups of neighborhood kids right. to the to the Negro Leagues Museum. He does a lot uh, of good things. That's why I'm very worried about what's going on with my friend Tim. Right. And I think blaming the management is always the, the best thing to end sure. up with. It's definitely a, a management issue. Anyway, that's Heart and Hustle. Keep your, your eyes peeled. Last year was uh, Patty's also previous baseball boyfriend, Paul Goldschmidt, won the whole shebang. And there's going to be a link in the show notes. And I encourage you to peruse the past nominees because it's super fun in the past winners. Yeah. And you get a feel for what baseball players want to do and are able to do to support their communities Mm -hmm. yeah this next thing I wasn't sure whether to put under my Yankees boyfriend Harrison Bader or under our women and girls in baseball but so I'm just gonna we're gonna talk about it here so there's a tradition in the 4th of July parade in the village of Stewart Manor which is in Nassau County where the people watching the parade actually hurl water balloons at the people marching in the parade, including politicians, mm-hmm. including fire trucks, including any like anybody, anybody's fair game. And it's not them being judgy. It's just it's the fun thing that they do. People who are marching expect it. And some of the politicians say, it's how everybody shows that we are not special in any way, right? I, I'm thinking our hometown, like there's some hot Fourth of July parades that we have, like super hot. I would be happy. It's like a to public a service, right? Yeah. To cool them off. Well, a fifth grader, Alexa Cardona, reeled back and threw a water balloon at the county executive, Bruce Blakeman, from 100, 100 feet away. Her dad, of course, was videoing <laughs> the whole thing. Scott Bruce on the back of the head, square on the back of his head. From a hundred feet away, so of course that video gets posted, and <laughs> yeah. everyone is kidding around about this kid and what an arm, and and she should play for the Yankees or she should play for the Mets and all of this. The county executive Blakeman says, "I expected to be hit, but not with that velocity, because apparently <laughs> real arm." Yeah, he was able to track her down because social media. You know, everybody kind of reached out to everybody else, saying, "Who knows who this kid is." Identified her. Blakeman called Yankees president Randy Levine and got this girl and her family invited to batting practice on Tuesday and then to stay for a game. That's great. Which was very fun. Apparently she came with a bag of water balloons, which she gave to (laughs) Blakeman, who said, oh, we should have frisked you. Um, But she met Harrison Bader who had seen the video and said, oh, my God, that was you? Great throw. And gave her a high five when they did a little photo shoot. So that was very sweet. She plays uh, shortstop on her softball team, also plays soccer, and apparently throws with her dad daily. And Mm. it it has gotten her to the field at at Yankee Stadium to meet Harrison Bader. So, hey, kids, stay stay out there in the backyard and and toss around with uh, your parents and your friends. Get that arm in shape so you, too, can make a splash. Oh, do you see what I did there at the 4th of July parade? <laughs> I'm also thinking about the, the T-Bolts race that you guys do with the um, water balloons mm-hmm. where the kids have to smash it yeah. at the end. That's not a lot of distance accuracy, no. however. That's just just trying to get the interns wet by force because it makes them stand by the bucket. <laughs> Again, a, a good thing to do on a hot summer day. All right, I'm going to talk about potential, I don't know, potential future baseball boyfriend. Curtis Mead, 22 years old, was called up this past Friday to Tampa, to the Rays. Um, Why is this notable? Well, he is the 34th Australian call-up overall in Major League Baseball, but he is the first position player 
from South Australia. So I learned a little bit about Australian geography in this experience. I am, I'm embarrassed to say that I didn't know, but I'm going to share this knowledge in case anybody else isn't aware that there are seven states in Australia. And Southern Australia, or South Australia is where the city of Adelaide is. And he played for the Adelaide Giants for four years, did pretty well with a 302 average. And not that many uh, crossovers, clearly, from Australian baseball to the U.S. So here he comes. He shows a lot of promise for breaking a lot of Australian records. Um, since June 30th, he's been with the uh, AAA Durham Bulls. He started the season on the IL, so that's why it's just since June 30th. He was batting 355 and twice as many walks as strikeouts. 18 walks, 9 strikeouts. So now he's up there with the Rays, and we will see what happens. The last call-up from Adelaide, which was a, a pitcher, clearly, was uh, 21 years ago. So it's been a minute since the folks in South Australia have seen somebody from their state in MLB, and a lot of eyes are on Cur Curtis Mead. Speaking of Australian players, because there aren't that many, but the one that I've, I've known the best is Liam Hendricks, who everybody was cheering for a lot this year, right? White Sox pitcher, who was um, diagnosed with cancer in the offseason, went through treatment and made it back on the field. And of course, that's everybody loves the, the hero story involved with that. Sadly, he is likely out not only for the remainder of this season, but all of next year, because this past week he had Tommy John surgery. So to add that on top of having to have been through cancer treatment and coming back after that is just a lot for Hendricks to be going through for this year. He's 34 years old. Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit of concern about, you know, coming back at 2025 where he's going to be 36 years old recovery time probably is longer the older you are right. yeah yeah so that's the thing I mean they say that Tommy John is 12 to 14 months but everything that I've seen is that he's not going to be available next year mm. so you know I don't know I mean he he only pitched in five games this year and I hadn't been paying enough attention in each one of those five games he only pitched one inning there was a little bit of, of criticism around because his overall ERA doesn't look too good. Let's see. It was 540. But that's just five outings with one inning each. And if you take out the first outing, which was at the end of May, his last four outings, he actually only gave up four hits, one walk, and three runs. He was credited with two wins on those three or, uh, yeah, on those four one-inning outings. So two of them were wins and one was a save. So I don't know. He is currently on a three-year deal that was signed in 2021, but there's a club option for extension. So that's another thing. It's like, does he have anywhere to come back to after the surgery? So I'm, I'm concerned. I'm definitely concerned for him because everybody wants a happy ending to this story. I appreciate the fact that, you know, his first save was against the Yankees at the beginning of June. He's been out since June 11th with elbow inflammation, and that's that ended up with this. So... Best wishes to Leanne Hendricks. Oh, uh, hey, police blotter. We've got oh, our boy. pal, Domingo Herman, who just can't stay away from the police blotter. Oh, my God. Ever. <laughs> the Yankees put their, uh, oh, boy, put him on the restricted list. He's out for the season because on Tuesday there was a clubhouse incident where he flipped a couch, broke a television, argued with his manager, Aaron Boone, and other people. His teammates 
to restrain him, put him in the sauna for a while, and then the team nap room, which got my attention. I would like a team right. nap room. I think that would be – and you, now look you're looking around, around the bar and trying <laughs> right, to find a place for a nap, nap room. No, you're allowed to go inside to the actual house to nap. Okay. I know. I, I know the owners. You'll be okay. Um, when they put him in the nap room, they put him there under security to watch him because he was so belligerent. Uh. And out of control. He has since voluntarily agreed to inpatient treatment for alcohol abuse. He was, if you remember, out for all of 2020 on a suspension for violating the domestic violence policy. This season, he had, on one hand, a perfect game. On the other hand, a 10-day suspension for sticky stuff. So he has moments, and then he has a terrible, terrible bottom line of things that are happening with him. Right. And and also his stats are all over the place, which yeah. which shows like, I mean, this is, you know, clear that something is going on and, and it makes sense that it's a pattern of alcohol abuse. But the, the game before his perfect game, he gave up 10 runs. Yeah. Eight were mm-hmm. earned. The game before that, it was like mm-hmm. seven. But if you look at like his his game by game performance this year, it's way all over the place. So after this incident, Aaron Boone says he's a sweetheart of a guy. Huh. Which I thought really? was kind of a shocking statement based on, you know, domestic violence violations, among other things, which include right. slapping his girlfriend and, yeah, scary things like that. Aaron Boone says, my takeaway of all of it is just hope and pray that he gets the right kind of help that truly gets him going in the right direction for the rest of his life. Well, that that, that, that end part is a good takeaway. Yeah. But the... The sweetheart. sweetheart of a guy just yeah. makes me really itchy. I saw a quote from from Cashman, right, the the GM on on Herman saying that um, basically that it's been an issue that he's had to deal with alcohol issues in the past. So right there, okay, Yankees, what have you? You've not been paying enough attention. And his quote was that he was worried right now for the person and immediate family. Wow, which flashes back to that you know domestic violence. Yeah. So we won't have Domingo Herman to push around anymore this yeah. season. I really do hope he gets the help he needs yeah. and comes out better on the other side because this is scary and awful, and it, it would be great for, for him to get help. Very quick little police blotter item. The police piece of this is the A's ownership screwing around with their team and their fan base. Their fan base starting with their reverse boycott a couple of weeks ago, has started a tradition that when the fifth inning begins, there's, they have a moment of silence. They get the entire stadium to shut the heck up for a moment and then start a sell the team chant That's at the beginning of the fifth inning at every home game. So impressive. And apparently there was a little bit of that at the All-Star game and I think one or two other ballparks, like I think Dodge, Dodgers maybe, Dodgers Stadium, but like things that are not all that far. I'm all for this. I love this so much. I did see a woman wearing a Sell the Team t-shirt at the Baseball Hall of Fame, and I complimented (laughs) her on it, and she was very happy to have someone notice. That's a good thing to be wearing to the Hall of Fame. (laughs) Nice choice. Can I just say, I wore my Lars Newtbar t-shirt that says, I just hope Lars Newtbar is having a good time, and not a single person commented Uh on it. And I thought, well, either they just all went, yeah, me too. And, you know, didn't think it was worth it or I don't know. There, yeah. there were other things to see other than my joke on my T-shirt. Yeah. You know, I should have been paying more attention to what other people were wearing, too, because there were I mean, there was, you know, a lot of caps and a lot of jerseys. But I think people take that moment to show their real baseball fandom. I was wearing my, my Carlton Fisk wearing it fair shirt. And so every time I came up to and there were several mentions in there that I loved of that game with Carlton Fisk wearing it fair. And I just kind of stood there with my shirt. 
saying, no. yeah, me too. Yeah. Hey, how's your drink? Are you still working? I'm still working on mine. This is lasting weirdly long. Well, I finished mine. <laughs> so, All right. But All that's right. okay. That doesn't mean that I need more, but it does mean that it was really good. And maybe I was just a little bit thirsty. Okay. And so fair. now I am well fueled to talk about the Women's Baseball World Cup, which you should start paying attention to right now who, because yeah well at the people who are listening because you don't have to pay attention right now because it's still monday but in the timey-wimey zone the people who are <laughs> listening to us it's actually today which is tuesday which is when group a of the women's baseball world cup begins so that is canada u.s australia korea hong kong china and mexico and fear not i have figured out how you can watch it. You do have to spend a little bit of money, but I would say it's a worthwhile investment. You can go to gametime.sport and you can either pick a, a day if you're going to watch that game and pay $5.99 or you can pay $15.99 for the whole series, which sounds kind of worth it because it's going to be three games a day, 11.30 a.m. This is all Eastern Standard Time, Phew, luckily for us. 11.30 a.m., 3.30 p.m., and 7.30 p.m. So that's a bunch of baseball. If you're, say, on vacation like us and want to spend $16 to watch women playing, it's super exciting. I know that the U.S. team is very ramped up. Um, I was looking around at GameTime.Sport just because I hadn't heard of it before, and they have a lot of the WBSC series. So they had most of the stuff has already gone by. You could have paid $60, $59.99 for the whole year, but that would have included, like, say, the 12 and under uh, series in Taiwan that just ended. Um, or I think there's a 15 and under series as well. So there's other stuff on there. The one that jumped out to me that I thought was really weird, that was like one of these things is not like the other, the Cuban series. So the Cuban National Series, because that, that's what their, their um, major league is, is called, was available for $60 for the season. The same thing. It was totally separate. So you could get $59.99 for the WBSC stuff or $59.99 for all of the Cuban series. They're now in their finals. So they, as, as of today, they've played one game out of their up to seven game final series, the Industriales against Las Tunas. And I was trying to figure out what Tuna meant, and it turns out it's the name of the town. But Las Tunas won game one at this point, and there's more to go, but I don't think it's worth, and I didn't see any like just finals deal. So unfortunately, I just want to pay 60 bucks. You might want to looking to see if there's any other way to watch the Cuban series. But check out GameTime.Sport. There will be a link in the show notes. Also, what I think just wrapped up that we talked about last week was the Pony Girls Baseball Series in Japan, where we had two uh, teams, one 15 and under, and then one that was sort of above 16 from a variety of countries, and I'm still sorting this out. So hopefully by next week, I might even know how many countries that there were. But there is a YouTube link that I found that has the day five games of the series, which seem to be, as far as I could figure out, the two championship games. So the 15 and under game, it was Japan against the U.S., and Japan won handily, but yay for the U.S. for getting in there. Their baseball for all caps by New Era. 
that they were all all uh, wearing. And also New Era gave them a bunch to give away as sort of like presents to some of the other teams. So that's a good thing. And then the above, above 16 game was, it looked like it was Japan beating Taiwan. So home team wins both of them. And I'm wondering, especially for that older game, because it was Japan and Taiwan, if that has something to do with the Women's Baseball World Cup, because like the U.S. team and Canada and Mexico are busy right now because they are in Group A, whereas Japan and Taiwan are both in Group B that's playing in September. So their players were probably available to play in the Pony Series as like perfect timing for them, you know, like a warm up thing. Interesting. I don't know. That's just my take on it. I might be just making shit up, but that's what I do. Lying with exact <laughs> figures to everybody's friend. Hey, yeah. when we were at the Syracuse Mets game, I will say <laughs> that our intern had to walk me away from our excellent seats in the second row behind the Wusaka dugout because I was um, getting close to saying things that I felt I probably didn't have room to say. So I'm going <laughs> to say them now. We had a family in front of us, little kid, so excited to be there. His mom was super excited to be there. I don't know if this is her MO, that she's everybody owes my kid all their attention, or if she was just a little bit enhanced by the beer. I don't know what was happening. But folks, players don't owe you anything beyond playing their best game. They don't need to give your kid a ball because you demand it of them. And boy, they're less likely to give it to you if you're kind of a jerk about it. And I'm not going to lie. I'm going to say there was a lot of demanding happening. There was a beautiful moment where there were a couple of Spanish-speaking players. And Potty Mouth here was teaching the little kid how to ask for a ball in Spanish. That was cool. But instead, his mom was like, oh, can you just get him a ball? Like, no, please, please stop this. You can call for a ball between innings when the players are coming back to their dugouts. That's when they have whatever they were using for warming up, and that's what they're going to do. They're going to throw it into the stands, right? That's when you say, ball, please, ball, please. Can you know, can you throw me a ball? That's the only time. Mm-hmm. That is the only time. You don't try to get the attention of players while they're standing in the dugout while the game is going on. You know why? Because they're working. They're doing their job. They're not watching the game recreationally like you are. They are watching the game because it's their job, and they have to be ready. They have to see what's going on. They have to be ready to act on it. Please, this is no place for entitlement. Teach your kids nicely. Be polite. Here's the right time to do it. I swear to God, the mascot came over and is fist bumping everybody, gets to the mom, and instead of just a fist bump and, hey, how's it going? She says, can you get my kid a ball? And the mascot turned around and went the other way before he could even fist bump the child because, I, you know, it's hard to tell with the giant, you know, fake head on your shoulders, but right. I'm guessing that turned him off. And he's like, I'm going over here where people aren't entitled. So please, please enjoy the game. Understand that even though it is a game, this is the job for these players. They are at work. They don't owe you anything besides playing their best game. Right. I just want to give a little high because I, I feel a little guilty because I was chatting with the mom and I think, I don't know who the other woman was, with it, whether it was grandma or aunt, but it was I, I had a nice chat with them and I told them about our podcast. So hello there if you guys are tuning in. And I did have a fun time talking to them about um, 
the the translations and and at first I was thinking there's there's not a lot of Spanish speaking players in the Wusaks, at least in the lineup, but apparently there were a couple in the dugout. And maybe I was as distracted as they were by, say, craft beer night. But I think that that the salient point that you're making is like with anything and like even with going back to your seats, you know, like during play, that's when you're watching the game. And then between innings is when other stuff can happen. So I think like if you're going to follow those rules, that totally makes sense. So, yep. you know, I, I did have fun like helping them try to figure out how to get a ball. However, I, I've never gotten one that way. So I'm not the expert. That's for sure. Yeah. And also, I mean, ushers can help you. Yeah. All that. But you Make need friends. to like show that you're having a good time and you're yeah. being respectful and polite and not demanding. So again, rules I didn't think we needed to explain, but I'm just going to go ahead and put that out there into the universe. Hey, speaking of stupid rules, that's a good <laughs> one, but stupid rules, we have this fantasy league. A little reminder to uh, team managers, please check your lineups because a lot of players switched teams at the trade deadline. And remember, you could only have one player per team on your active lineup. So if you've got more than one person from a team, you got to bench somebody. You can work on dropping them and adding somebody else. You can work on trading them to another team. That's fine, but you can't have active players. So case in point, I have got Michael Harris, who's pretty darn good, on my bench because um, Nikki Lopez, who's one of my very, very few uh, center middle infielders, just got traded to Atlanta, and I really, really have to keep all the middle infielders I have. Uh, I am... Wait, is he on your bench or did you let him go? Like, aren't you supposed to take him totally off the team? Well, he's on my bench because I'm not not playing him. Yeah. I'm tr- trying to work a trade oh, because there are two trade there are two Good. new Rangers pitchers mm-hmm. who huh. both are um, owned by other teams currently, and I would like to just put it out there that I've got Michael Harris on the trading block for another Rangers starting pitcher. If this means anything to you, you know how to find me. Hey, here's our uh, our status for this week. Bono's boyfriend still in the lead, but the earth has moved. Save me, Salvi is now number two. Oh, hey, is that Deborah? That yes, and so sorry, nice job. sorry, my team is hurt. A suck. You are oh. down to number three. I feel bad about that, but but n- at least number it's two, another Ace Salvi does not. <laughs> right. right, the kids are now in sole possession of fourth place. Uh, Razzle Dazzle is number five. The Short Kings made a leap over both Potty Mouth's posse and Karen's not so awesome team to to get number seven right behind Wait, the, you the, wicked the Wicked Awesome, awesome team. team. I'm still talking. <laughs> okay, gotcha. I'm Just want to make sure he's getting I'm like, speaking. Oh, I've seen your I'm a little joke. It's a little, it's a little vice president joke there. Thank you. Um, yes, so Wicked Awesome team. Um, the Short Kings leapfrogged. Karen's not so awesome team and potty mouth and then me and then Sunny Slammers and then the Bada Bingers at number 12. So there has been a little bit of um, movement in the force. Huh. We have a couple more legs of our excellent adventure. We. We. What's next? Well, hopefully I'm going to knock on anything that looks like well, there's a lot of wood in this barn. The whole the whole freaking barn is wood. Yeah. All right. Nothing is within my reach. But as soon as I stop talking. I will knock on something because if the stars align, the rain will stop in time for us to see the Woo Sox at the Woo Sox playing the the Buffalo Bisons, mm-hmm. I think. That's that's uh, Toronto. On Tuesday night. So that would be lovely. 
And then we also want the rain to hold off through Wednesday because we will be at Fenway Park on Wednesday night, which, you know, that makes me all sorts of happy. And there's going to be some Grateful Dead music before the game because it's Jerry night. We get tie-dyed Red Sox jerseys. And I'm just all excited about the rest of this excellent adventure because we're going to be heading into Massachusetts. We're going to have a super fun time. And yes, I will eventually be wearing a Red Sox jersey because it's tie-dye. There will be photo opportunities. There will be photo opportunities. And I'm, and I'm okay with that. I hope you're going to see baseball. I hope you're following us on social media so you can send in your corrections. And if you have definitions of what separates a kerfuffle from a <laughs> fracas, for instance, or a brouhaha, or how many ha-has um, you need to finish your brouhaha with, please let us know on social media. Potty Mouth, where can people find us? You can find us on, I don't even the fuck to call it anymore. I guess it's X. X Let's not X, call it that. That's Formerly stupid. known as Twitter. Um, I'm still there because there's still stuff happening there. It's NCIB podcast. Facebook and Instagram are both, you know, doing all right, which is no crying in b-ball. And then if you want to throw a little bit of coffee money at us every month, our Patreon um, coffers are dwindling. So we could really use a little bit more funding just to keep things afloat every month because things cost money like putting this out there and um, our, our squad cast. And if you if you join us on Patreon, then you will have a future opportunity to hang out on Squadcast with us, with us and watch the sausage be made. So that's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash no crying and b-ball. And I'm talking like a dollar a month. We're really reasonable. You can all obviously give us more if you would like to, but that would be great. Did I cover the bases? You covered the bases. Oh, look at you with the with the sports <laughs> metaphors. How surprising. How surprising that is. Hey, please fight the man. It's the right thing to do. Send your game balls to Meredith. And until next week, say goodnight, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. I'm going to talk in the microphone about how we have a cooler full of booze. Yeah. Right? That seems about right. Yeah. So that means that we're well prepared.